0: Today we began a message series, Be Strong and Courageous in All Seasons. And for the next few weeks as we consider different passages of Scripture, some stories, some passages, we will be able to look into these different uh, Scriptures and find out how God is speaking to us about being strong and being courageous, no matter the season we might be experiencing in life. And it's my prayer that God will help us, that He will encourage us, and He will strengthen us. In unusual ways, as we have been thinking about this and preparing it for a while, to know that God cares about every one of us in beautiful and meaningful ways. Today, we invite you to open your Bible to Daniel chapter 6, a passage Pastor Josh read just a minute ago. In Daniel chapter 6, we're going to join with Daniel. He lived a life without lines, L-I-N-E-S, but with lions, L I O N S. Let's consider what is being said to us today through the scriptures. And I share these words with you at the outset in the form of a question. Are you in control or is God in control? Are you in control or is God in control? In one year, Brian and Kristen Taylor, she's a writer She and her husband saw their seven-year-old daughter hospitalized for more than six months and faced six surgeries. Brian's job was discontinued. Several family members of theirs passed away. Another was diagnosed with a brain tumor that proved cancerous. And Kristen was pregnant with child number four. Life was pretty tough. So she blogged these words. Let's join her on her blog. God and I had a deal. Have you ever had a deal with God? You just kind of have a deal with God. You ever had a deal with God? Said, God and I had a deal. I would endure trials that came my way if he acknowledged my stopping point. He knew where my line had been drawn. And I knew in my heart he would never cross it he did. I delivered a stillborn baby girl. With my daughter Rebecca still at home recovering with the feeding tube and her future really unknown because of the situation of her life, it was a foregone conclusion that this baby was so wanted, so loved, would be saved. She wasn't. My line in the sand was crossed. My one-way deal with God was now shattered. Everything changed in that moment. Fear sat in, and my faith began to crumble. My safety zone with God was no longer safe. If this could happen during one of our struggles, then anything was fair game. For the first time in my life, Christian writes, Anxiety began to overwhelm me. We'll come back to our blog in just a little while, but let's join Daniel now in chapter 6. And when we look at Daniel, we're going we're to look at three truths today that show us how we can trust God in all seasons of our life, even when it appears God has crossed one of our lines. The first truth is really what I just said. It echoes what I just mentioned here. It is this, God may cross your invisible lines. Look at verse 4 through 12. Daniel has values. He reveres God. He respects God. He honors God. He loves God. He's in a foreign land, but he respects and he honors God in this foreign land. God has raised him up until he is way up in the government of this foreign land. And so from this position of great honor and distinction that he has he still has respected his God. Some of his co-workers don't really like him. They're a little bit miffed that this interloper would come into our kingdom and be given such a position and elevated so high. Oh, he's not king, but he's way up. And so they don't like it. And they watch his life and they look at his story and they say there's nothing we can really pin on him. There's no sin we can really accuse him of. So we've got to figure something out. Your scripture says in verses six through nine that they went to King Darius and they said to him, hey, we want to make a law, we want to make a rule that no one prays to anyone except you. No man, no king, no governor, no nothing, no deity. They only pray to you. How about you sign that right here? We're all in agreement with this. Well, he's kind of like wanting to keep peace and harmony in the feedlot, right? So he signs it and he thinks all the people in his leadership team are in on this. And then these people step back and they begin to watch Daniel. (laughs) Now, as they're watching Daniel, he still has his deep trust in God. What would you do if you were Daniel or Danette? And here faced with this situation, this dilemma that is real to him, not just a fairy tale, not just a story, but a real character of history, a real person. Verse 10 tells us what he did. I don't know what you would do. This is what he did. Three times a day, Daniel prayed to God. He lifts his window anyhow. He knows the decree. He's part of the government. He understands the story. He knows the condition. He knows the repercussion. He opens his window. He kneels down. He prays before God. Now, what would you pray? Here's what he prays. He prays that God would be with him, that God would take care of him. And he also praises God for the blessings he has given. I mean, when we got up this morning, you're able to think. You're able to move. You're able to eat. You're able to drink something. You're able to enjoy the sunshine in this place and from wherever you're watching, hopefully, a beautiful day there. That is a great blessing, and we can thank God for the blessings that we have even in the moment because God is with us and has provided such greatness all around us. But in verse 12, it tells us that the law has been passed and it cannot be changed. It will not be changed. Daniel's on this collision course. He's coming into a collision of values versus law. And sure enough, those guys that were his co workers saw him and they had him arrested for his religious faith and activities. Now, we hear of people in other countries getting arrested for their faith in God and the way they express that. And over the last couple of years, we've even heard of people in the United States being harassed and some arrested even in our own land for expressing some of their beliefs. It's unusual what's happening around our world. We pray for the persecuted church. We pray that God would strengthen each one of us. But the king felt burned by his his underlings. He felt absolutely disgusted that they had done this. He realized the law was a law and there was nothing he was going to be able to do about it. So here he is with his law sign, and Daniel is headed toward his demise. Has God ever crossed the line with you? Has God ever gone beyond what you thought he ought to do? I probably could say that I thought before he crossed the line with me. Oh, maybe he didn't, but it felt like it. This last week, Pam and I watched a message being delivered in the camp that they were having at the boarding school she went to through high school, and there was a minister telling a story about his own life. The story he was telling about his own life was that he grew up a rebel, in and out of prison rebel against his parents, rebel against society. He was in and out of jails from Ohio down through Texas. And finally, he was thrown in jail in Ohio. His cellmate was a little unusual. He thought because he looks at him, and he says, wow, what's your story? And the guy says, well, I'm from Texas. He was a Spanish fellow he said, I'm a minister. He said, well, how did you get here? If you're a minister and you're from Texas, what are you in jail here in Ohio for? And he said, well, I came up here on a trip with one of my friends, and we had finished all the things we were here to do, but he had another friend, and so we went over to see his friend here in the area, and unbeknownst to us, his friend got busted big time, and that house got raided for drugs, and we were there, so they thought we were part of what happened. He said, I don't do drugs. I wasn't part of this. I had no idea. Have you ever felt like a line has been crossed in your life? He said, Here we are now sitting side by side. The pastor here spoke Spanish. Ron, incarcerated because of sins he had committed, said, Do you have anything I could read? And he said, Well, I just have a Bible. So he handed him his Spanish Bible because Ron had spent time down in Texas and near the Mexican border and English border. There, he had spent that time there. He learned a little bit of Spanish, so he knew some enough to read a little. And the other words he would figure out. So he began to read, and then he started studying what the other words meant, and he started reading day after day. Month one goes by, month two, month three, month four, month five, somewhere along the way here. It dawns on him. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, I didn't grow up in church. As a matter of fact, I was a rebel. He said, I knelt down right there in the prison and I said, oh God, if you're real, come into my life and do for me what you say you'll do right here in your Bible. And he said, something happened. God came into my life. And when he came into my life, he said, I was chained. I was made new. It's absolutely amazing when we open our heart to God. On the sixth month, the minister, the Hispanic gentleman, who had been wrongly incarcerated, was finally going to be released. But he says, I know why I was in here. I had an appointment to hand you a Bible. I know why you were in here. You couldn't go anywhere else. You had nothing else to do but read. And God wanted to meet with you. This is why you've been in here. And Ron left that place a Christian, and he became a minister of the gospel of Christ. God may cross the invisible lines that you have drawn in your life. There's a second truth that I notice here. Even if that happens, God has his eye on you after all. Look at verses 6 through 22. Notice in verse 16, our passage says to us, Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Can you imagine the emotions whenever Daniel was being arrested and then taken out? Here he is knowing why he is being arrested, knowing where he is going. You can know a lot, but it doesn't always take away the apprehension, the anxiety, or the fear. The closer they get to the area of the den, the more his heart probably was pounding and the more his stomach was giving him odd feelings. Mm. Can you imagine his palms, what they may have done? His knees may have gone a little weak. Oh, he's not going to deny his Jesus, but he is very much so human. And now they're going to move over that stone. Now he's going down into the den. He's going to be dropped in there among the lions. He knows the drill. He knows the story. They do this in the land he now lives in. All of the apprehension... Robert Morgan, great writer, said this. I don't know what burdens you're bearing, what trials you're facing, or what problem you're up against, but I know God doesn't want you to lose heart. Can I get a witness in the house? I got one from over there. Can I get one from over here? A few people are awake over there still. This is getting good in here. Everybody's waking up now. He said, many times I could have given up, but the Lord never let me get up. That's a testimony that everyone who lives by the unseen realities, every one of us. Daniel remained true to himself and he remained true to his God. True to himself and true to his God. Darius knows he's going into the pit and he says to Daniel, he says, Daniel, look at verse 16. May the God whom you serve continually rescue you and Daniel's thrown in. Oh, splat. And now he's on the bottom of the den. Stone put back into place. i said this to you before, but I want to share it with you again. Max Lucado, great writer, said this. He says, you'll get through this. You'll get through this. Nudge your neighbor and tell him you're going to get through this. Would you do that? Nudge them hard. Hit them hard in the elbow there. Hit them hard in the ribs. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. But don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this, whoever you are. Then I notice one more thing about Daniel here in chapter 6. Your future rests on how you deal with your current situation. Your future rests on how you deal with this current situation. The king was saying, hey, your God will take care of you. He has a very restless night of sleep. (laughs) He doesn't sleep well. Have you ever had a restless night of sleep? If you have, could you just say yes? I hate those nights, don't you? They stink. <laughs> I hate those nights. Had some this week. I vote against them. I don't like them. And so he got up. He went back over to the, what well, would have been the tomb, really, goes over to the den, they pull back the stone for Darius, and here he is as a king. And look at what your Bible says in verse 22, and, or 21 and 22. He calls out to Daniel. Hey, Daniel! Daniel says, my God sent his angel to shut up the lions. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I have prayed that God would shut the lion's mouth so many times he has probably wondered if that's the only prayer I've had. Look what he says. He shut their mouths so they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight. That's a powerful passage. The king makes a decree. Verse 26, 7, and 8. Look at it. He says, only Daniel's God will be worshiped. He has those families that set the trap for him and them plus their family all thrown in to feed the lions. And the scripture doesn't say that God shut the lion's mouth that time. You see, Daniel faced his problem head on, knowing he might be eaten alive, knowing he could be incarcerated wrongly like the guy in the Ohio prison. He was dropped into the den. He went through all the fear and all of the feelings of all of that that goes with it. Robert Morgan, he says this, as we journey toward our heavenly home, we hit potholes and rough patches. We have delays and worries and crises and tragedies. Have you ever had any of those? Our light of momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Can I get a witness somewhere in the house? Well, hallelujah for that. We delight in God's nearness and we revel in the company of our friend unseen. I like that. Daniel did not get wiped out. We thought he would, but he didn't. Pam and I had an acquaintance a number of years ago. He ran and founded and ran a rescue mission in Ohio. It was a rescue mission for alcoholics and he ministered to many, many, many alcoholics, a very meaningful ministry and God had raised him up. And while ministering there, he and his family took a trip and one day on their trip, they suffered an auto accident The accident that they experienced was uh, very bad because one of his children was injured very badly. His wife was very injured. And they're at the hospital now, and, and there sits Bruce. He's in the waiting room. Have you ever been in a waiting room? If you have, say yes. You know the feelings come and go in the waiting room. You just look for the door to open, and maybe there'll be some good news. But the door opens, and the news is you're your child did not make it, and the news comes to him, uh, your wife didn't make it either. He was sitting there as if, had God crossed the line? He was sitting there in his new reality, (laughs) frustrated, no doubt, broken, the feelings that are hard to describe. And he said, while I was sitting there, he said, I had a vision into the Older Testament and there I saw Job. You remember Job? Job had a great wealth and a great life. And all of a sudden, there's a big storm, a windstorm, tornadic activity, I guess, and it, it kills his children. All 10 of them die in that storm. They were having a party and they died. His businesses are destroyed. He loses all of that. And here is Job now. With all of these losses, then he loses his health. Here he sits in a pile of ashes with boils all over his body, oozing the jism of infection. With a little pottery, he scrapes some of the boils to try to get some of the nasty off. It's sick. Bruce said, I saw that vision. And he said, then I saw Job lift his hands, and he started praising God. And he said, I knew I could make it. I knew I could make it. You and I face all kinds of challenges in our life. Some are quite temporal around us. Others are quite eternal, like Bruce, where you're touched in life that will reach into eternity. An immigrant from Germany came to the United States and they thought they could add something to this land of opportunity. They were going to build tents out of denim. They were excited about it, hopeful about it. It had to work. They heard about the gold rush out in California. And even though they didn't understand everything, they, did, they knew enough to know that meant that there was going to be something there. And so they went to San Francisco and there set up the little tent shop. And the first customer that came by was a miner and said, I don't want a tent. Well, what do you want? I want you to make me some long jeans out of this denim stuff you're making for these tents. And I want you to make it extra long so I can cut it off and get patches when my knees wear out and so I can put some pockets in when I find gold nuggets. Oh. Levi Strauss mm, quit the tent business and went into the jean business. And many people have worn something of Strauss. James Naismith was challenged by his boss. He lived in Springfield, Massachusetts, worked with the YMCA, and he was challenged. He said, hey, you've got to invent a game, a competitive game that involves physical exercise and activity, a competitive game that can be played in the long winter nights. And he thought, and he thought, and he thought, what could it be? And finally came up with basketball. Basketball. Mary Anderson rode a streetcar in New York in 1902 and she saw on this snowy night that as the streetcar was putzing along, the driver had the side window open, snow was piling up on the windshield and from time to time they would have to clear it a bit and she went back home as she had been vacationing in New York and she invented the rubber windshield wiper Willis was standing on a platform of a train station in Pittsburgh. Anybody know it gets hot in Pennsylvania? I got a witness out of that. Didn't even ask for one. It gets hot in Pennsylvania. And he was standing there watching the fog and the heat of this day. And Willis Carrier invented the first modern air conditioning system. You see, in Galatians chapter 6, it says you reap what you sow you reap what you sow. You, you, you sow now and you reap later. You sow now and you reap what you sow. You sow now and you reap more than you sow. It's amazing how you can put that little acorn in the ground and then you get this great big old tree. Can I get a witness somewhere in the house? Big old tree. Brings shade, brings life, brings place for the birds and all that. It, it's just great. Daniel sowed into life. He sowed into hope. He sowed into possibility. He sowed into his faith. He sowed into God's work in his life. And look at what happened in verse 28. May not be your story, but it was his. (laughs) We don't want to miss it. Three words, so Daniel prospered. I like that. I don't know about your situation. I've heard a lot of stories this week from a lot of different people across the congregation. Enough so that I know this message series is on time. Let's go back to that early blog I started with and land this. Kristen Taylor, what else would she say that might help us understand? She said, I spent weeks trying to find out why God, the God I love so much, could let this happen to my family at such a time. The only conclusion I came up with is this, I must give up my line in the sand. I have to offer my entire life, every little minute portion of my life to God's control, regardless of the outcome. My family is in God's hands. No lines have been drawn. No deals have been made. I have given our lives to the Lord. Peace has entered. Her panic once resided. And calmness has settled. Her anxiety once ruled now Lord Jesus I have no clue how you're going to use this message in our lives today but I am confident that you will if we let you so we ask Lord that today you would be pleased in some way to communicate through your Holy Spirit that which we should receive and be led by as you are our teacher speak into our life and comfort us in areas because you are our comforter Make us more like you because you are our sanctifier and help us to walk with you even when we don't understand. Help us to trust your heart. Be with the hurts in the physical realm, in the relational realm, the financial realm, occupational realm. Be with the mental anxiety. Be with those that are battling any addiction of any kind, Lord, to be able to break free one good choice after another, but may you empower, Lord. May you equip, even in those most desperate moments of temptation. Be with those who today are broken and may feel lost. Be with those who have kids or grandkids off to college and feel empty. Be with those who have had loved ones that have passed away. The hurt is deep, it's acute. They're almost listless. They knew they were going to church, but now is the afternoon. The afternoon looks like this great big yawn of time that they have to try to cross, help them just to cross the next minute, then the next, then the next. Be with them and comfort them. Be with those rebounding in the hospital and be with any in prison today who maybe are hearing us. Be with those who might be watching this now or those who might watch this later down the road, Lord. Let it be a word to our heart. Light a lamp. In your name we pray. Amen.